If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Last week, we uh, talked about kingdom righteousness, part three, uh, pure motivation, pure motivation. Uh, And we asked the question, what are some ways we can do uh, so-called acts of righteousness with a pure motivation? The first thing we said that Jesus talked about is to secretly serve the needy through giving. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's not something to boast about, it's just something to do. Secondly, we said secretly seek God in prayer. Uh, We don't need to boast about our praying, we just need to pray. Amen? And thirdly, secretly practice self-denial by fasting. Fasting means, Lord, I want you at this particular time more than I want the basic necessities of, of physical life. And uh, we don't need to boast about it. We don't need to announce it. We just need to do it. And that's the principle behind all these things. And I, and I was asked the question after the service uh, about the verse that we covered earlier in the series, uh, Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said uh, that, that do uh, good works so people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And they asked about, uh, which is a good question. I actually had it in my notes and glossed right over it. Uh, but, uh, you know, is there a conflict there? And, and the answer is that I meant to share last Sunday during the message is that uh, when we do good works in Jesus' name, people will just naturally see them. They will observe them. And uh, when, uh, it, when it's, it's, it's brought up or when the opportunity arises, we can give the glory to God. Uh, but that's not the same as uh, trying to trumpet our own accomplishments, which was what Jesus was talking about in the passage from last week. We do those acts of righteousness secretly, not seeking to bring attention to ourselves. So we understand the, the, uh, the, the fitting of those two concepts together. Okay, uh, today's message uh, I want to share from Matthew 6, verses 20, uh, excuse me, verse 19 through verse 34, but I want to draw particularly in the beginning from our uh, one verse as our text, Matthew 6, 33, a familiar verse of scripture. It says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The title of my message today is Kingdom Priority. Kingdom Priority. It's been said that if a keen observer could observe someone for a short period of time, they could quickly ascertain that person's priorities. So here's a scary question. At least I think it's a scary question. If such an observer could watch you for a day or two, what would they conclude is your top priority? Notice this goes beyond what we say our top priority is, but if people could watch us for a day or two, what would they conclude is 
our top priority. We've established in this series that the phrase kingdom of God refers to the authority, the right to rule, the sovereignty of Almighty God. Here in Matthew 6, Jesus stresses the absolute necessity of God's kingdom having first place in our lives. In essence, he says that when God's kingdom is our top priority, everything else falls into place. That's, that's the essence of what he said there in verse 33. When God's kingdom is first, everything else falls into place. Uh, this morning, then, I want to answer the question, how does prioritizing God's kingdom provide the proper perspective on earthly concerns? How does, God's, how does uh, the prioritizing of God's kingdom provide the proper perspective on uh, earthly concerns? When our priorities are in order, when God's kingdom is first, we have the proper perspective on the things of this life. The first uh, way that prioritizing God's kingdom provides us with the proper perspective on earthly concerns, is that it prevents earthly wealth from becoming an unhealthy focus. It prevents earthly wealth from becoming an unhealthy focus. Uh, beginning with verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Somebody say ouch or something. In order to prioritize the kingdom of God and not develop an unhealthy focus on earthly wealth, uh, three choices are required, and Jesus talked about them here. The first choice is a choice between two treasures. A choice between two treasures. First, he talked about the earthly treasure. Uh, uh, he said, do not lay up for yourselves earthly treasures. Now, he's not forbidding possessions themselves, obviously, or saving for the future. As a matter of fact, the scripture praises the ant in Proverbs 6.6 6, uh, for storing in the summer what he'll need in the winter, as an example to us. And also, the scripture declares that the believer who makes no provision for his family is worse than an unbeliever. In 1 Timothy 5.8, neither is he forbidding the enjoying of good things of creation. Scripture teaches otherwise. What he is forbidding is the selfish accumulation of goods, uh, extravagant and luxurious living, and the fantasy that a person's life consists in the abundance of his possessions. The reason he uh, forbids this and tells us not to lay up treasures on earth is because earthly treasures will not last. They're temporary. Uh, he refers to moths. Moths would destroy fine clothing. And the word translated rust, he says uh, rust destroys. Actually, that word 
in the Greek means eating and more probably refers to worms and other vermin which would destroy fine clothes and foodstuffs. And then he says, uh, don't stir up your, for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, thieves would actually, in Jesus' day, dig through flimsy mud brick homes uh, to the point where the Greek name for a burglar meant wall digger. <laughs> so what's the point? The point is no earthly possessions in Jesus' day were very safe. You couldn't depend on them lasting a long time. And while we, uh, technology has helped us advance uh, in security far beyond uh, what there was in Jesus' day, uh, the truth still remains that earthly possessions are temporary. The things we accumulate in this world, you know, there's a saying, he who, uh, who, he, who, he who accumulates the most toys wins. Well, what do they win? They don't win anything that lasts too long. Because as, and it's a cliche, I know, but as someone said, you don't see a U-Haul following a hearse. You can't take it with you. Uh, so, so that's the nature of earthly treasure. That's why Jesus said, don't, don't focus on storing up earthly treasure. In contrast, he said, store up for yourself treasure in heaven where it's not subject to thievery and decay. Now, uh, he doesn't specify how to store treasure in heaven, but the Jews consider deeds of kindness and character to be heavenly treasures. Uh, theologian John Stott says, to lay up treasure in heaven is to do anything on earth whose effects last for eternity. These things are not subject to decay. The treasures we store up in heaven are not subject to decay. So we have a choice between storing up uh, one of two types of treasures. Treasure on this earth that doesn't last or treasure in eternity that lasts forever. Secondly, there's a choice between two quote-unquote eyes. He says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. This was a, a figure of speech to Jesus' hearers. Most of what the body does depends on one's ability to see. In Scripture, to fix the eye is the same as to set the heart. And so here Christ contrasts two conditions with regard to sight. He says if your eyes are good, and the New American Standard Bible translates this, if your eyes are clear, uh, he says your whole body will be full of light. What does he mean here? In other words, one who is focused, able to see, uh, walks in light as opposed to darkness. Some see in the Greek of this passage a reference to generosity. If your eye is good, if your eye is full of light. In contrast, the other eye, if you will, uh, in verse 23, if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Such a person... Uh, has a miserly, ungenerous spirit. They're not single-minded. They're distracted. Their life is aimless. It's not directed. So we have a choice between having an eye that is clear to see what's important or an eye that's full of darkness, being distracted. What's the third choice Jesus referred to? A choice between two masters. He said to serve. Uh, he said you can't, no one can serve two masters. To serve in the Greek, is, is from the Greek word duleo. It means to be a slave to, to be in the role of a servant and act accordingly. In the ancient world, a slave was considered not to be a person, but a thing, and had no time which was his own. Thus, Jesus' statement that no one can serve two masters, or two lords as the original 
uh, more properly says, he said either he will hate the one and love the other or will be devoted to, uh, which means to hold firmly to or cleave to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. The word translated money here in the NIV in, in the King James is mammon. You might remember from your King James reading, no one can serve God and mammon. Mammon is a transliteration of the Aramaic word for wealth. Its root means entrust. Mammon was originally that which was entrusted to a bank for safekeeping. It came to mean that in which a man puts his trust. So Jesus is saying here, man cannot trust, or, uh, trust in or serve God and material possessions at the same time. For both demand exclusivity. You can't be fully devoted to storing up treasures here on earth, that, have that be your main focus, and wholeheartedly serve God at the same time. That's what Jesus is saying. So we have three choices. Where are we laying up treasure? In heaven, where it lasts, or on earth, where it doesn't? What, is, what, what eye are we giving uh, focus to? The one that sees the reality of the importance of eternal treasures, or the one that's focused on this earth? What master are we serving today? If you know the story of John D. Rockefeller Sr., when he was a small boy, he was determined to earn as much money as he could, like a lot of young people. And he drove himself toward that goal. He earned his first million by age 33 and controlled the world's largest company at 43. Now that might not sound completely uncommon in this day and age, but it was, it was really something in his day. At the age of 53, he was the world's richest man, the only billionaire at that time. Then he developed a sickness called alopecia, where his hair, eyelashes, and eyebrows dropped off. He was shrunken like a mummy. His, weekend in, his weekly income was a million dollars, but he could only digest milk and crackers. The doctors gave him one year to live. Then, during one of his sleepless nights, he realized that he, quote, could not take one dime into the next world. That's a realization many people don't come to. Immediately, his priorities changed. He began to give to churches, to the needy and the poor. He established the Rockefeller Foundation, whose funding of medical research led to the discovery of penicillin and other wonder drugs. He began to sleep well, eat well, and enjoy life. The doctors had predicted he would not live, live past age 54. He lived to age 98. He had found that he could not serve both God and money. He had to choose, and he made the right choice. If you look in a concordance, you'll see that Jesus had a lot to say about money. A lot to say. Why do you think that is? Uh, it's because he knew how easily it can become an, an unhealthy focus in a person's life. The lure of riches is seductive to our flesh, to our human nature. And Jesus knew that. So what's the antidote to that? Serving God exclusively. Serving God completely. Prioritizing God's kingdom over everything else. You want to know the antidote to being grasping, to being greedy, to having an unhealthy focus on money? It's to give as much of it as you can away. To invest it in the kingdom of God. To invest it in things that matter for eternity. 
Where are we storing up treasures today? There's nothing wrong with planning for the future. There's nothing wrong with a 401k, a retirement account, to plan uh, for our old age. That's not what what, what Christ is saying. But there is something uh, that is completely unhealthy when our focus in this life is in storing up as much of this world's goods as we can. Folks, we can't take it with us. It has no eternal value. Instead, Jesus said, let's build up treasure in heaven. Let's invest in things that matter. Let's make a difference in the souls uh, of the people around us, which will last for eternity. When we prioritize God's kingdom above all else, it will keep us from having an unhealthy focus on this world's goods. What's the second thing that prioritizing God's kingdom does? Uh, Secondly, it prevents unnecessary worry about daily needs. It prevents unnecessary worry about daily needs. Look at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Prioritizing God's kingdom prevents unnecessary worry over our daily needs. Why is that? Well, first of all, it's because worry over daily needs is incompatible with kingdom living. Keep in mind, we've been saying through this series, we are people of the kingdom. We are not of this world. We are of another world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen, church? We belong to another kingdom. Worry over daily needs is incompatible with kingdom living. The first reason is because God provides life and food and the clothing we need. In verse 25, Jesus says, Don't worry over basic needs such as food and clothing. Since God has given us the valuable gift of life, it only makes sense He will give us the food needed to sustain that life. He says, Isn't food, isn't life more important than food? If God gives us life, in other words, he's saying, he'll give us food. And then he said, isn't the body more important than clothes? If God has given us a body, doesn't it make sense he's going to give us the clothes we need to cover that body? Of course it does. And, and he illustrates this with two examples. In verses, uh, first in verse 26 and 27, he says, the birds of the air don't have to worry about food. So human beings who are more valuable than birds shouldn't worry about it either. Birds don't worry about food. They just get fed. <laughs> so we, we, don't have to, we don't have to worry about where our food's coming from. And he says that worry, such worry does no good. He says, who by worrying can add an hour to your life? 
Have you ever heard somebody say, man, I just worried and worried and worried and worried about this, and I couldn't do anything but worry. And boy, I feel so much better. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so, so such worrying does no good. And, and, and then he says in verses 28 to 30, he secondly points out the flowers of the field. He said they're dressed in beautiful colors. He said more, more grand than King Solomon was in his royal robes. He said, and, and, and they, don't, they don't have to worry about how they're clothed. And he says, if this is how he, God dresses temporary things, why did he say temporary things? Well, uh, cut flowers and dried grasses, they were used for fuel. They were burned up in the fire. They weren't going to be here long. And so Jesus is saying, if, if he clothes these temporary things so grandly, won't he clothe us as well? We don't need to worry about it because we are his prized creation. Secondly, worry over daily needs is incompatible with kingdom living because such worry is the pattern of unbelievers who do not understand the Father's care. He says pagans worry over these kind of things. Now, other translations use the word Gentiles. Uh, we know Gentiles were non-Jews. And at this time, while Jesus is speaking, Gentiles had not yet been been uh, in, in, in large part been welcomed into the, the, the community of faith. And so uh, Gentile, when Jesus spoke, it was symbolic of those outside the household of faith, unbelievers. And, and, and Jesus said, uh, worry over daily needs is incompatible with kingdom living because that's, that's something those outside the kingdom worry over. He said, and your heavenly father knows what you need. Isn't it folly to think he created us out of nothing, out of the dust of the earth, and somehow he forgets what we need? It's folly. Of course he knows what we need. And so worry over daily needs is incompatible with kingdom living. It's something in the kingdom we don't have to worry about. Secondly, uh, he says that daily needs are provided when God's kingdom is one's first priority. Our theme verse uh, for the message, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things that you need will be added unto you. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? It means that you look to God and his kingdom first for everything you need, including your purpose in life, your daily provision, your creative inspiration, your business ideas, your family relationships, everything. Everything is viewed with a kingdom mindset. As you keep God in your relationship with him in the center of your life, all these things, all these needs will be added unto you. As I said earlier, when we put God first, everything else falls into place. Seek God's kingdom first. And he said, secondly, seek his righteousness. He's commanding us not only to seek the inner reality of the kingdom, but also to live that out in our daily lives. To seek to live according to the kingdom standard of righteousness. Remember what we said? Jesus said, unless your righteousness, he says to the disciples, surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you know, the ones who kept the letter of the law and added all these little permutations to the law and these little rules upon rules upon rules. And they say, if you just keep all those rules and you follow our, our code, you're going to be okay. Jesus said uh, that the kingdom standard of righteousness is a higher standard. Remember? You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus said the kingdom standard is a higher standard. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Out of duty? No, out of love. 
Because we belong to his kingdom, amen? We're people of the kingdom, amen? This world is not our home. We're people of the kingdom. Seek first his uh, kingdom and his righteousness and what? Everything you need is going to be taken care of. Hallelujah. We just sang a few minutes ago, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. We serve a faithful God. Glory to God. What's the third reason that prioritizing God's kingdom keeps us from uh, an, an unwholesome worry about daily needs? It's because worry about the future is a fruitless activity. Jesus said in verse 34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What we are worried about today may never come to pass tomorrow. Did you know that? I've shared this before. Studies have shown that the the large percentage of things we worry about in the future never come to pass. But what do we do? We fret and we worry, we become anxious, and we wring our hands over what might happen. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow's problems today. Now, he's not saying don't plan ahead or don't, uh, you know, arrange for contingencies. He's not saying that. But he's saying, don't, don't become anxious. Don't wring your hands and become fretful and, and just be consumed with something negative that might happen tomorrow. He says, you know what? Tomorrow has enough problem of its own. Deal with today's problems today. Deal with tomorrow's problems tomorrow. You know, there's this principle in, in, in the Old Testament when Israel was wandering in the wilderness and God sent them the food that they needed. And remember what he said? He said, you, you, you go out and you, you uh, take what you need for today, he told them. And, 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 and don't take extra for tomorrow. You just take what you need for today. And some people, it says they, they you know, they, they, how many know somebody always, there always have to be rule breakers, right? Come on. I know the rule is this, but I'm going to do this. So they would gather extra. And what they find in the morning, it was rotten. It was no good. They didn't follow the rules. The rule was, take what you need for today. But what about tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow's will be there. And that's, that's a principle. That's how God is. He's not, he's not necessarily going to give you what you need for tomorrow today. He'll give you what you need for today. What about tomorrow? He'll give you what you need for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's fruitless. It does no good. In psychology today... Raj Prasad, MD, said this. He said that the difference between, one difference between us and animals, animals get anxious, but they don't worry. So what's the difference? Well, they might, you know, they get anxious over a perceived threat and they respond to that, but they don't worry about the future. (laughs) They don't worry about where their food's going to come from or whatever's going to happen. I came across this. I thought this was interesting. Some of you may be familiar with a, a, a man named Larry David. He was one of the co-creators of the television sitcom Seinfeld, one of the most successful shows in television history. He also had his own show later on. Uh, and, of course, this success made him a multimillionaire. But his success didn't stop his mother from worrying. Moms like to worry, don't they? Moms. <laughs> and and he, he said, even after he'd become a success, his mother would ask him over the phone, are they going to keep you? Do you think you'll still have your job? 
She worried about him so much that when he was younger, she once wrote to the New York Post of advice columnist seeking advice how to save her youngest son from poverty. <laughs> I think he did okay. <laughs> After he was wealthy, he would book his parents' first-class plane tickets to visit him, and his mother would downgrade the tickets to coach, uh, worrying that he was spending too much of his millions, you know. <laughs> And he passed, she passed that on to him by his own testimony. He said he worries too much about the future to enjoy the present. A multimillionaire. That's sad, isn't it? But you don't have to be a multimillionaire to struggle with that. The, the, the needless worrying and hand-wringing and, and, and fretting over the future can rob us of enjoyment of the present. God has committed himself to providing everything we need. Can we just let that sink in for a minute? Everything we need. We really have no reason to worry over our daily needs. Therefore, we must prioritize his kingdom over all other concerns. Kingdom priority. We ask the question, how does prioritizing God's kingdom provide the proper perspective on earthly concerns? Firstly, it does so uh, by preventing earthly wealth from becoming an unhealthy focus. If you're here today or watching online, yes, we all need to work to provide for our daily needs. And God provides us the opportunity to earn a living, to, to earn our daily bread. Thank God for that. But, but we, it's so easy... None of us are exempt. It's so easy to develop an unhealthy uh, preoccupation with earthly wealth and to want to hoard it and, 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 and not know the freedom of giving and holding on to earthly things loosely. Instead, we need to be building up treasures in heaven. We need to invest in things that last. Secondly, we gain the proper perspective uh, by prioritizing God's kingdom because it prevents us from unnecessary worry about our daily needs. The psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old. I can kind of relate to that. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. How many know God is faithful? Hallelujah. So, the question as I conclude this message today that each of us must ask ourselves is this. Is the kingdom of God the first priority in my life? 